0: Yes, evening folks welcome along to the irish f1 show once again in association with pft travel arriving style with pft travel pft travel now on facebook as well and you can contact mj for all your uh transport needs there rapco uh, also a shout out to them they've been with us for a majority of the season also and uh might get them to print something a little bit better that i hope would hear because this may or may not be a well-known international brand that uh, may or may not be covered by uh, a sticker provided by, by Rapco, and we would never do anything like that, of course. But Brian Rabbit, Richie Carney, how are you, folks? Good evening. Even okay. lads, how
1: are we? All good? My oh, story, Bar. Good, Rich. Good, Rich. Thank you.
0: I should add as well, guys, I would have put the sticker on the wall, but the Mother Law just painted it there uh, two weeks ago. So I don't think that would go down well with the Mother Law or indeed the wife. So the uh, <laughs> jumper might have been the best thing to do. Um, anyway, lads, to be honest, for most of this season, I would say. We've had kind of... so standards probably not a good way to put it. But maybe not as entertaining at times with a lot of these races that we've been sitting down to to analyse. And over the past few weeks, we've had something to talk about each time, which is great, finally. Um, there's a few exceptions to that rule throughout the season. But it's just mad that with the World Championship already sewn up from Max's point of view, we still have so much to talk about over the weekend, which is fantastic. And obviously as you would have seen earlier this year as well, the 8 o'clock start time on a Sunday is an absolute blessing. Isn't it great to just sit down and have that look forward to, Richie? In fairness, I'm sure you had a can or two as well.
2: I know. I went went to the local myself in the mist. I had a bite to eat and a few beers there, Ari. But, yeah, no, 8 o'clock on a Sunday. It's a lovely time. Come home, sit down, relax, um, take it in. And what a Grand Prix to take in. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was
0: absolutely excellent. I thought, in fairness, now some people were giving out about it, Barry, but I don't. Know, I thought there was, there was there was quite a lot in, and I was I was well pleased with the entertainment I had uh, in front of my screen. Any, anyway, I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, it was just um, kind of a race of two halves. It started off kind of relatively quiet, I suppose, when we seen. Initially when I seen Verstappen getting the jump on Science off the line, I was a bit disappointed because I think, you know, we needed Verstappen held back to get to make a race out but that obviously didn't happen and then only got worse at turn one with Science getting turned around. So not a whole lot happened in the start and then it was all kind of you know, once the safety cars and then the botched pit stops came into effect, then it really it really took on a new lease of life. And yeah, it turned out to be a great race in the end.
0: Yeah. Richie, can I can I delve straight into it so right with regards to the start? Max gets that little bit of a better start than science, And obviously then we have an incident on the first turn. And I know we were chatting about it while it was happening. Um, science is obviously trying to duck back in to maybe get him you know, around the corner, as, as you would do if we'd just been taken out. But in doing so, probably gets a little bit too close to Max. And just for that moment, hesitates while he's turning in. And then George bumps into him. So George has subsequently gone and, and claimed full responsibility for it. Was he 100% at fault?
2: Yeah. Yeah, without without yeah, hundred percent. Um, I know Max got to jump on Carlos, which is fine. And and just touching on that, I think it's it's the worst pole position on the calendar. Like, I mean, you know, the racing line runs through second position on the grid, which I think gives the guy in second. There's more rubber laid down out there, so it nearly automatically gives him the better start. Either way, but um. They find Carlos and he's obviously tries to make a little jink back in to try a little undercut on Max, which is fine. But the last thing you'll expect is is a car to come in, all guns blazing, wheels locked up, full steering lock on, understeering. It, I, I honestly think if Carlos didn't even take that little jink back inside Max, I think uh, Russell still would have plowed into him.
0: Mm. Barry, I don't think you're a hundred percent in the Russell responsibility camp.
1: I I yeah, I maybe not a hundred percent. Um I think if you were to put the blame on one of them, it has to be Russell, obviously, mm. in that sense. There's no there's no denying that. Um and but I think science should have been a little bit more Circumspect of the fact that it's the first corner it kind of reminds me of you know you know a lad cycling a bike somewhere and against trucks like he mightn't really be in the right but he's still going to be dead like you know so like, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really matter like so there's a bit of that like you do want to do you want to be right or do you want to survive you know that's the, the thing so you know especially the lads with the ca- the cameras on their helmets or whatever you know they're like they're nearly, so, I I definitely uh, yeah look it was Russell's fault what yeah. actually happened and he took responsibility for that himself but like you do need to be aware that these things might happen when you're at the first corner and especially at a corner like at the at the first sorry especially at a track where the first corner is like it is at Cota where there's so many options and we've seen it year on year lads taking these kind of block moves and diving in to the apex um so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely Russell's fault for what happened, but I think science could have removed some of the risk of it happening by not going for the switch back so aggressively. Um, so I don't know whether you I, I still wouldn't put any blame on him for the actual incident, but he definitely left himself vulnerable to it by, by what he did.
2: Okay. You put yourself you put yourself in careless to see, Barry. Are you not entitled to that switch?
1: No, you're entitled yeah, to yeah. it. This is the point, Richie. It's quite, as I say, it's like the cyclist, you know, who's entitled to go up the inside the truck, but he's still going to end up coming off worse, like you know. And there's no point being right and dead, like you know. You're better <laughs> off being, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't achieve anything. Um, he needs to take into account that someone might do something stupid or you know different maybe, and t- and take that, just give himself that little bit of or give them in th- that little bit of breathing room, um. To make sure would he could out the be other right side. What
0: you right to say? It. There's a cycle lane there for you, but if you go up on the footpath, you could hit a pedestrian. Is this a good analogy? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the, the pedestrian will probably
1: come off worse there. Like it's more, yeah. it's, it's 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 more the kind of. There's two different things at play. You can, as I said, if Carlos is he, he, Carlos was right, but mm-hmm. he's out of the race. Yeah. Right. So there are two different things, and you have to weigh one up against the other. He's a right, and he's entitled to do that. But the chances of something happening when you switch back like that at a corner like Kota is possible. So yeah. with that in mind, he might've been, you know, if he's a little bit more circumspect and just went, Richie, you know yourself, you come down the first corner and try. You, you, you can see the apex, you, you go to turn into it, but something tells you maybe I'll yeah. just leave a car with on the inside. There might be someone there and it's the first corner. There's a, reasonable chance someone will be there and i'll just i'll just buy myself that little bit of of room i think that's if, if science was guilty of anything it was that just you know not not giving himself that little get out or, or so but in, in actual fact someone else that get to get out that had an impact on him literally so but at the end of the day it was russell's fault um yeah. but science could have could have avoided it by just you know being a little bit safer um, and especially a Cota, where we've seen it in the past, where they are, there is so many lines into turn one because of the nature of the of the corner. Um,
0: but uh, yeah,
1: no, Russell... And I think at that, Russell probably got off relatively light with just a five-second penalty. Mm, yeah, a couple of in
0: the... on it there, Richie. Sorry, just to... Um... Uh, Barry Shane has been in touch and he says uh, Carlos changes line massively McConnell and Russell Hitman Mike's been in touch as well our good friend Mike Dermody former guest of the podcast we're about to get him on again actually we must get him on soon was it not a racing incident in turn one lap one so I'll just try into the mix Richie before you come up trumps here which are words of wisdom I oh,
2: know listen these things happen in turn one and what I was going to say just an interesting fact about turn one the incline 25 mm-hmm. 25- 25 meters between the the lowest part of the main straight and the apex of turn one 25 meters holy shit that's that's a lot it's savage, a fair bit good isn't, isn't it
1: 20 yeah that is a lot i didn't
2: think it was that much that's the and it's
1: they're doing that in probably a couple of 100 meters like so it's a fairly Jeez. it's a fairly steep
0: incline
2: isn't it like, yeah geez, yeah like 25 meters that's savage it's just a useless little fact but i just said they put it out there
0: well, some might say you have been inclined to stay in your line then and not go across someone. But anyway, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I, think we're after, <laughs> I think we're after giving enough uh, airtime to this because we have a lot more to get through as well, lads, in fairness, right? So we're, I don't know if this is even going to be in sequence, but can we just go to the incident with, with Stroll and straight away? Because, I mean, waking up this morning, I, I just could not believe what I, what I was reading. But at the same time, it's not overly surprising when you, when you understand the circumstances as to, as to why Haas have maybe gone... And complaints. But there's so many mitigating factors. Before we get to that, we'll talk about the actual incident itself between Stroll and Alonso. Now, Fernando has been very diplomatic about this. It's I wonder as it, why. It's I almost as if <laughs> he's going to Aston Martin next year. <laughs> Jesus, lads, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I wonder if was anyone else would be here to say the same the same turn of phrase. But, uh, lads, that was actually frightening to look at. And it could have been a lot, lot worse by rabbit
1: yeah um it wouldn't have taken much for it to be a lot worse another couple of miles per hour a few degrees more of a attack a angle on the, the bottom of the uh of the alpine and, and and alonso's car could have been upside down and heading the wrong side of the barriers or worse into the butt end of a barrier which you know which was there for the the, the escape road um but yeah it was it was a big big scary shunt. Um, that could have got an awful lot worse but actually similar enough in my take of it to, to again the first corner Stroll's fault that's what, with, that is with, with Russell similar to the Russell and Science incident you know Stroll's fault for jinkin left but Alonso has to consider that you know he, he's done this a few times I can't remember just off top of my head but it's, it's I've seen him before he gets so close on the toe and pulls out so aggressively and so late out of the toe um, which he's entitled to do, just like we said, science was entitled to do, and he's and and there's a reason for it because the longer you're saying the toe, in theory, the more speed you acquire and 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 so on. Um, but again, just you know, not given any sort of margin for the other guy to do something slightly that you're not aware of. Um, so again, it's it's got in my in my take on it, similar sort of similar sort of um situation. With the with the turn one incident with Science and Russell, uh, he pulled out very late, and at the same time, Stroll moved over on him, and the impact was what it was. It probably didn't need to pull out that late, that aggressively. Looks great. Don't get me wrong; a big jink at a hundred and eighty mile an hour, or whatever. But if he'd have pulled out, you know, half a car length earlier, it would make no material difference to the overtake he was about to do. Um, but would have just bottomed that little bit of of um space for what did happen you know um but that would say that that was standing it was uh, a mega a, a mega crash that could have been an awful lot worse and, and alonso did very well to to um to keep the car going never, never mind get the result he
0: did and richie like despite all his years involved and i mean who wouldn't it shake but you, you could hear in his voice and even afterwards you could hear like that sort of thing it would have such an effect on you and then provisionally to still come in seventh, phenomenal stuff, I thought.
2: That's, that's fair going out, man. Like, I totally agree with Barry on this point. You know, Fernando, he really should be leaving himself a bit more room for error on the other side. Um Same thing, Straw's fault, absolutely. He moved left late. But, as Barry said, he doesn't, like, yeah, we all love to get up and under the wing of the guy in front and pull out the last minute. But like, the guy, you know, you have to be allowing for him to move. And, like, when you look at Fernando's on board, he had loads of room to his left. And he was, like, he had already an unbelievable run on it. So, it could have maybe been, probably would have been avoidable. But, man, that could have been massive. And how lucky for him. How lucky the way he landed. The way the tyres hit the barrier. Like, the strongest way the wheel can take impact was the way his wheels hit the barrier and to get back on and pit stop and go again and to finish where he finished. Like, there was two of them there this weekend that were real in the ears, I think.
0: Yeah, Barry, a question for you. Would you not stay in the tow as long as possible? These guys race on a super license. Stroll knew he was being passed very guilty.
1: Yeah, as I said, you will stay in the tow as long as possible with an allowance for something, anything to, to, to move or to change. Because yes, they are, you know, doing 200 mile an hour and the slightest little adjustment would change it. The objective is to pass them. You know, being a half a car length behind and pulling out versus being three inches behind and pulling out isn't going to make a material impact impact on the difference of whether you're going to have the move made or not. As Richie said, he had a massive toe on him anyway. Um And again, it's it's not about being right. It's about getting to the next corner. And you have to weigh that up a bit against, you know, as I said, this, you know, to a kind of are ourselves here compared to the first corner incident. But if he pulled out a half a car length earlier, it it was immaterial what Stroll did. The little jink wouldn't have mattered, you know, unless he got fully alongside him and Stroll literally turned into him. But the two of them moved pretty much at the same time with maybe a little bit on a little bit quicker for Alonso. Um, So, yeah, you don't, you know, Stroll shouldn't have done it, but things like that do and will always happen. So protect yourself against it by giving yourself a half a car That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. It doesn't mean that he's not that, that Stroll is innocent, and it doesn't mean that it's it's uh, Alonso's fault. But the net the, the the end result is to get to the next corner ahead of the guy in front and and minimise your risk. Where possible and without impen- impeding yourself to do that, and Alonso would have done it, and he's done it before. And I'm probably I'm a big Alonso fan. Um, I think he's mega. I've said that before on the on the podcast. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he looked back and he wouldn't admit to it. Of course, but if he looked back and it went, yeah, probably you know another half a car with there that, that probably wouldn't have happened. You know, um, so. It's uh, it's again. It, you you got to weigh all these things up, you got to weigh up what what you're allowed to do, what makes sense to do, and what you need to do to get the 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 overtake done.
2: Mm-hmm. He was extremely calm after, wasn't
1: he? Well, he was winded. I think the 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 the, the voice, the 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 the, the noise, was, and his voice was literally just the physical effect of being winded. But to your point, Kev, it's 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 surprising how quick. Now we haven't had shunts like that or near ones because we're not in F one, obviously. But you're in. You're 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 in the mode to expect incidents like that to happen, and it'd be, you'd be quite shocked. And I've always been shocked myself, and I'm sure Richie will echo this, and anyone I've ever spoke to, that's raised will say this: when it happens, it's immediately you, you're not you don't get a fright when it's happening because it's in the moment and you're trying to deal with it, and immediately afterwards, I mean seconds afterwards, you're already concentrating on getting to the next corner, pulling the next gear, doing whatever it is. So. He probably would get more of a joke looking back on it, you know, on, on his phone in the motorhome or whatever than, than in reality he would have ever considered it during the race. It's just like right, that happened, it's done, next corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wouldn't be something, it's a funny sport that because you don't have time, I mean we've mentioned this before, if you're playing a, a, you know, a ball sport, it would be rugby or football or JA or whatever like that. You get bursts of action and then you kind of, you know, the ball goes out of play and you stand around for 10 or 20 seconds or it's just gone the other end of the pitch or whatever and you have time to think about it. Racing is totally different. You are in the moment for an hour and a half or whatever the length of the Grand Prix is. So you don't have time to think about it. So he probably put that out of his head three and a half tenths after the car hit the ground, like you, and and he was concentrating on the next thing. He probably probably sucked in a bit of air when he watched the back of the replays though.
2: I definitely do. I, think, definitely, I definitely, he would've looked, <laughs> would looked. He would've he would have looked and went, Right, all four wheels are still in the car, let's go here. You know? Yeah. It's just the instinct play.
1: Yeah, hundred mm. percent. 100%. percent
0: I'll talk about the, the after effects and try to simplify it as best I can. So obviously as a result of that, I suppose, altercation, a mirror is dangling. And there was instances this year when Hass have been penalised for similar defects. Um, and what happens afterwards is, obviously, provisionally, Alonso is P7, and then has to launched a protest, um, 24 minutes, I think, after the deadline, but it still goes in, and I think wasn't it wasn't against Perez as well, just to put it out there and have everything politically correct. Um, Alpine have said they're, they're um, appealing or whatever, and... I was trying to read down the rules and regulations and there is something there that allows you to exercise the right to still go and penalise even after the deadline. But I'm sure equally, I'm making an assumption here now, which I shouldn't really, but there's probably something there you could go and exercise to try to do the reversal of that as well, considering what Alonso has gone through. So I suppose, irrespective of how this was going to play out, I would say Hasbro were going to go about this regardless. And as we know, in this sport, there is no room for sentiment, right? Mm-hmm. It's A prime example of it, because if there was, we're going to be doing that, absolutely not. He's, he's trying to just set a reason. He's like, right, well, we're not going to be the ones made a scapegoat of irrespective of what happens here. There is a lot to chew on this, Richie, in fairness, an awful lot to chew on it. Like, you can kind of understand it, or at least I understand it from Haas' point of view. And then you understand it from uh, FAA's point of view, I suppose, They've set a precedent. But also, they're in a no-win situation. They've gone and done that. They could equally make themselves popular by maybe going on a different route to defend. And maybe in the end with the appeals process, it'll all get thrown out anyway. But it's definitely a messy one. And it's a good job that we always elect in recent times to give this at least 24 hours before we sit down and do a podcast. Because we would miss so much in that 24-hour period if we didn't.
2: And I'd say it's, it's, it's a seriously... It's a tricky one, but it's not a tricky one, as like we I think we spoke about it in the last one. By the letter of the law, yes, he um, he deserved to be penalised. The mirror is flopping around, blah blah blah. If that comes off and hits another driver's helmet, it's blah 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 and on and on and on. But um, not once for the duration of the race was he shown a mechanical defect flag. Not once did the FIA touch base with Alpine team to tell Fernando to pit to fix the problem um, it's like they only picked up on it by watching on boards after the race, oh look he's mirrors flapping around the place you know and, and F1 is not a popularity contest between teams in no way shape or form um, they'll cut one another's throats regardless um, it's all about like pints points make money basically not prizes, pints make money um so it's it, it's a really tough pill for Fernando to swallow. I feel really sorry for him. Um in the wind up the mirrors blew off and then, you know, it didn't cause any major harm to anyone, I don't think. So like idea, like really the FIA should have picked like if you remember a couple of years ago Lewis was racing and Barry do you know that bodywork that comes over your shoulders and You know, you always see the drivers taking it off. Head restraints. easier to get in.
1: The head restraint uh, that goes down both sides. It goes down to here
2: somewhere. Um, I remember that came loose on Hamilton's car, and the FIA very quickly picked up on it and made touch with Mercedes. And during the race, Hamilton was holding it down to stop it flying out. Um, He had to pit to change that head restraint, you know, because the FIA had picked up on it. Well, obviously, they hadn't picked up on Alonso's flapping mirror. The same as has hadn't until after the race. But here's you the know, problem with that, someone Richie. Someone's seen an on-board somewhere.
1: The problem with that, Richie, is this, is that all of that is ultimately, the F- that's all the FIA's shortcomings and failings. Mm. Because yeah. every part of a card that is about to fall off and then subsequently does, for a period of time, it's in that, you know, not attached properly yeah. and it hasn't fallen off yet, Steve. So it's, you know, dangling, hanging, flapping, whatever the term is for that particular bit. There's always going to be a period of time between it getting damaged and falling off, if it in fact does fall off, right? Like w- what the FIA have done here now is they've, they, they, they've pushed themselves into a corner that yeah, they've got going to have a big problem with going forward because... He used, and it happened in the Grand Prix at the weekend. Um, and then, plate on Perez's car got damaged and fell off a period of time later, not long later, okay. Which was probably, and I think the commentary even said on it, well, that's better than it hanging off because it's just gone now; they don't have to worry about it. But for that period of time, which is exactly what happened to Alonso's car, the, 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 exactly, the mirror got damaged exactly. and it fell off a period of time later. Right. The period of time is irrelevant, whether if so what's going to happen now is someone's going to have a car that got damaged and 81 seconds later, it falls off. Then someone will find an onboard and go, ah, you should have got a black and orange flag in those 81 seconds or 12 seconds or three minutes or one yeah. second. You well, one second would be ridiculous, obviously, but you know what I mean? It, so they set a precedent now where if, at any point, if something is hanging off a car, even if it subsequently falls off 30 seconds later. Well, that's the period of time that you should have given him the penalty. You didn't. So now you have to retrospectively give him a 30-second penalty. That's where I see the real danger in it. At the end of the day, they didn't give him a penalty at the time. um, And there's reasons for that. They didn't know it. They didn't see it. They didn't seem it fit to do it. I totally understand why Haas got involved because they've been the wrong side of that particular Yeah, I was just going to say they got penalized earlier in the year. Yeah. But in, so I can see why they did it. But I think the FIA now, when we've touched on this before, are the, the rules are so there's so many of them, they're so complicated. The book is so thick that the rules are now eating themselves, and every time they try and they're just going to keep adding a rule and adding a rule and adding a rule, and and it's going to be almost we're going to see more and more and more of this sort of crap. To be perfectly honest which you. Um, going forward because they, ca- they keep trying to legislate and legislate and legislate and every time they put something into place the the the, the, the unwanted after effects of it, the, you know the the there's a phrase that just won't come to mind of it but you know the the knock-on effects of it if you like um, are, are going to be so many and so numerous and then it's going to be because there's more of them in the first place they're going to counter counteract even more of them and you have this just Unenforceable set of rules that is going to take three days to unwind, or in this case, even longer. It needs to be Thursday before the appeal is heard. Um, mm-hmm. for, you know, four days after. Um, I think that's ridiculous. I think at the end of the day, the part was damaged. It was dangerous for a period of time, so that's going to happen again somewhere along the line. Mightn't be a wing mirror. It might of be an end plate It might be a little bit of a of a fin. It might be any part of the bodywork on the car and if you don't get a black and orange for it immediately you're going to get one afterwards because someone will find a video of it going look there it is it was flapping around for and the period of time is irrelevant you know it's been flapping around so i i think it's 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 a pretty dangerous one for the fia to deal with going forward um if accident damage can be retrospectively penalized
2: yeah, that's yeah, that's that, that's be nice. the point. That's the point I was making, Barry. Because like you, you worded it better there for me. But like that mirror was flapping for a good five to six laps, I think. And how it wasn't picked up on by the FIA, and he wasn't yeah. hauled in to either fix the problem or retire the car, and we wouldn't be having this conversation.
0: Richie, I saw something today, now I haven't I haven't seen anything really in, in black and white from credible sources, but there is reports out there that HAS did try to bring this to race control's attention during the rest. Now, I haven't seen it in black and white anywhere officially, but that theory is out there. I'll say two things on this. Number one, I suppose in an indirect kind of a sick way, um... A lot of Formula One content providers, maybe including their own website, I would say are very happy because this is providing a lot of content in the days afterwards, which is providing a lot of clicks, which is keeping a lot of people happy. But the bigger picture is the most disappointing aspect, I think, is that more often than not, and even on this podcast being an example, we tend to be talking about stuff that's happening afterwards, talking about rule books, and it's overshadowing what we see very regularly, and that's some top-class racing, which we also saw yesterday. That's the most disappointing part, Richie, I think.
2: No, it is. It is, and and to be fair, and especially in the second half of this season, like we we've been doing more giving out about certain aspects of let it be rules, cross caps, whatever. We we seem to be doing a lot more giving out in these podcasts lately than we do about um, praising guys and you know mm. what great drivers, what a great race. For that. So yeah, it, it's it's a pity. I think
0: though. I think we're just frustrated. Really, that's the whole. All of it. It's not even that. We're 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 critical of the you know it, it's it's what's happening afterwards. But anyway, But there's the more word. of it. There's more of it happening. You see, this is it. Yeah, this we, the problem, because there's more the end, rules. You know what I mean?
1: There's more yeah. rules, and they keep adding. And they keep make, they're going to keep making this problem worse because for so many years, they're like I put it this way: if you take club race and stuff, and you go looking through through them through the the rule book for racing rules now i don't mean technical rules and you know the weight of the car has to be this or that wing angle has to be that or sporting rules which is you know you go when the red lights go out and you know the obvious stuff if you go looking for a rule about you know how to race against someone you won't find it right there's a there's basically no written rules about how you race against someone because there's too many variables to write a set of rules that encompasses all of that. So it's left down to a couple of very vague kind of statements. And then a referee ultimately who, who makes that call. And then it's discussed afterwards. F1 was like that for years and most racing series are. But lately they've started trying to write rules for all these variables. And it's not working. And it's not going to work. And by writing one rule, the law of unintended consequences kicks in and affects another one. And then they look back and they say, well, what about that one that happened eight and a half years ago? And what about this one? And and this is where they're going with this thing with Alonso. If this is upheld, anyone with any crash damage at any point is going to be told subsequently, well, we just missed that during the race. So now we're giving you the penalty." And they can't not do it because they've just done that with, with Haas. Only, I'm oh, sorry. When I was with Alonso at Haas's behest, um, the only get out they have on that maybe is because it was a wing mirror. It's there's a, they can throw the safety angle at it and say, well, he couldn't see he was behind him, and it's more a wing mirror is more important than you know a random bit of body work over the engine cover or something like that. That might be their get out, and they, I wouldn't be surprised to see them using that. Um, but I, I do think they need to seriously think about continuing to write a rule for every eventuality because it's just gonna it's gonna end up with the exact opposite result which is un unpoliceable rules and everybody talking about you know the latest um mess of rules after the race instead of the actual race itself but the hard one to get out of it's you know you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and this it's it's going to be tr- tricky we're uh, in I a like deep
0: hole now i like that one I read that i actually keep it. I always car with the back in the cow, but yeah, it's pretty a more <laughs> diplomatic way of, of saying it, I suppose. Um, I have a couple of comments in here. Uh, let's not forget Hamilton was allowed to finish the British Grand Prix with only three wheels and no penalty. Another one, and I just want this answer in one word because I want to move on from it. It's a good point about well, Hamilton. Yeah. Given KMAG's history to bang into other cars and the numerous times he had issues with front wing end blades, I think Haas have made a rod for the wrong back. What did the lads think? Agree or disagree? In a word, um, I, I think
1: inadvertently they could have made a rod for everyone's back, themselves included. Yeah, if the, if it follows okay. through,
0: Richie. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, another comment. Uh, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Barry is right. There you go. Um, well, that's okay. definitely Mike anyway. Definitely. <laughs> Got it. <in laughs> one. Got it. One. No, I. I'm going to sound like a complete hypocrite now, right? Because I'm going to talk about something else that wasn't really involved in the race. But it's quite topical today and it was interesting. And that is Brad Pitt before the race and that altercation with Martin Brundle. I think it deserves a little bit of airtime because I read something today, Will Books in the posted. And Barry, maybe you saw this, Richard. I not know if you saw it. But he offered up an explanation as to why Brad Pitt didn't maybe have the conversation with Martin Brundle. And there is a fully... I suppose there's a, there's a list of, of guests that are available for interview, you know, fully accredited media outlets get it, right? So Brad Pitt was never on the list to interview. Now, the first thing I would say, why wasn't he? And the second thing is, and it's kind of a, a spin-off from the first, he's obviously involved in an F1 movie that's coming up. I just thought that whole thing was very uncomfortable to look at, and a little bit annoying, if I'm honest with you, I think... Even though he's not on the list or whatever formally, I think it just doesn't reflect well. It doesn't, for me, look like a guy who's overly interested in in promoting anything other than maybe getting a few bob in the back pocket. That sounds very, very harsh of me to say. But um, I didn't particularly enjoy that. Now, I will add Martin Brundle doesn't take any shit as well, in fairness to him. And him. Um, a people know, I, I want to talk to him. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit who's in his way. How did you find that particular altercation? And I'll keep this brief because I do want to talk about the fantastic race as well. Richie. I,
2: I, I just think mm-hmm. I'm only after taking it over there, which was a 100 times funnier. Don't uh, mind bad play he was Martin was trying to get someone's attention and this guy stops and gets ready to get interviewed by Martin and Martin goes to no I'm actually the guy behind you I, want. <laughs> I I thought that was hilarious I got that too yeah, that yeah I'm sorry it's the guy behind you
1: I want <laughs> get out of my way <laughs> oh the yeah,
2: man is just fascinating Oh shit!
1: <laughs> yeah, I just did that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I did notice that too. I thought it was very good. Um, to, to your to your point, Kev, I I think I see. I didn't see what Buxton's take was on it, but I I get your point that you know basically he should have put himself down for an interview, or whatever. But hang on
0: a minute. The problem here is is that a well, Books Buxton, Sorry, Buxton's point, just to be clear about it, was that Brundle shouldn't have went near him because he wasn't on the yeah. list of people available for interview. Yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. My understanding of it is now I would be great in Hollywood actors and all this, but Brad Pitt is making an F one movie apparently, right now, for, and he's the star of it, which is the first problem because he's you know he's even he's too old, right? And um, two, um, he's there on some sort of research and fact finding mission apparently to, to, to you know to, to get authenticity into the movie, which is pretty unlikely. And three, if that is the case, and that's what he's there doing he should know who Martin Brundle is. Yeah, If he's actually properly researching the movie for the role that he's... You would think that at some point he has sat down and watched a Grand Prix on the TV and being English-speaking, there's a good chance it included Martin Brundle's gridwalk at the start of it. If he knew all of that, he probably, you would presume, would have to cop on not to act as he did. Um, So working backwards from all of those... Admittedly, assumptions, it would say that this movie's gonna be shite. Basically, because he's not furious so far, yeah, right? or dri- driven to or whatever, you know, like yeah. Stallone's thing. You know, it, it might be a bit of a jump to get to that, but I, I think if he if he was there researching any movie and he didn't know who one of the number one commentators and on, on, on the sport is, it's pretty bad. If he did yep. know who he was and he acted the way he did, even knowing who he was and how it would appear. It's pretty bad. Yes. So I don't think there's any real get out on, on it for him. Maybe he's just an asshole as well. We all just think, you know, like th- that happens. Like he could be just I, I, I just I don't know him. I don't care, you know, he's he's a movie yeah. star, great. Right? Doesn't mean he's not above being a bit of a dickhead, like so maybe that's what it is. Maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe he's just a bit you know, they walk amongst us.
0: And do you know what? And last last point on this now, but there's someone else that you might assume is maybe a bit of a snob and wouldn't have much interest in talking to you. But Martin went up to Lauren Stroll and he was like, Oh Martin, how are you? How's things? He looked like a proper gentleman. Whether he is or not, I don't know. And he could well yeah. be. But more often than not, he, he comes across, I don't know. I don't want to be disingenuous to him, but you probably know where I'm getting at. I was pleasantly surprised to see how sound he was to him. I thought, fair play, that came across very well. If Brad Pitt had bothered his whole doing that, it wouldn't reflect wouldn't reflect <laughs> I mean, It doesn't open, much. But anyway, look. The the people texting in are not happy with us given Hollywood airtime. <laughs> Mike already wants to know. I want to hear the lads' view of house management of Mick Schumacher. So whichever one he is wants to take that up, by all means, belt away, fastest finger first.
2: Go on, Barry.
1: Sorry, I was thinking of something totally. I was completely distracted there. Like, and we're going to finish this, right? I was at the Touring Cars a couple of weeks ago, and this is going back to the Brad Pitt thing. That Touring Cars <laughs> a couple of weeks ago it was Jason Plato's last race. Mike is banging right? the table at home, right? Go on. <laughs> but... I, I've been a big fan of Play-Doh. I would have watched him all the years. Whatever else, yep. walking, we were in the pit lane walking by. He was there. It was last race. He was standing beside it. I, it was quiet. There was a couple of people around. A fan went up to him and asked him would he sign his hat or something, right? And Plato was incredibly rude to him and basically said, "I'm here with my family. Would you have fucking sign the fucking hat and then fuck off?" Literally said that to him, right? Now, if we, and that's, he can say what he wants, and it's up to him to talk how, how he wants to talk to people, and that's fine. I just looked at it and went, that's just bad for him. It's just not a particularly nice person at that. That happens from anyone normal amongst us, right Right the way up to Hollywood superstars and all the rest of it. And, and that can explain an awful lot. We could be looking f- way too deep into all of this sort of stuff. He might have just not been a nice guy. It's as simple as that. One don't overcomplicate it.
0: This is very close to home. Very, very close to home. And I won't name names, but there's a recently crowned World Rally Champion, who was in Mondello a few months ago, right? and I know someone who brought their kid over and opened the door to try to get an autograph, and the door was closed in his face as well. There's no excuse for that. What does that kid remember for the rest of his life? Well,
1: there's no, that's just a a nice person. That's just as simple as that, you know? So maybe we're over, you know, especially when a kid is involved, you know, and, like, that's it's inexcusable, you know? So, like, there's, you know, we could be reading way too much into this, you know? These guys, you know, just because they're movie stars and they're on the TV and they're good looking or whatever else. It's also about, you know, you know, when he's probably surrounded by that sort of thing, he's he's been told he's the best in the world and all. So he just becomes a bit of an asshole. Maybe, I don't know, he might be the nicest guy in the world. I don't know, but he definitely didn't come across that way on on the other day. So, you know, maybe not overthinking and all the rest would Could be one of them. Like
0: there's a saying, you're only as good as your last race, you're only as good as your last game, you're only as good as your last interviewer appearance, and that did not reflect well. But anyway, that and when the cameras aren't away. on, they really so, didn't come out.
1: But to answer your question, that I actually completely missed was about Haas and Schumacher and
0: the management Steiner. of uh, Schumacher by, by Haas, yeah,
1: as in the the management of the race or the management of him, as in no. and his contract. No,
2: what what I think, what what I think Barry, the question is getting at is. Our has doing their utmost best to make an absolute wanker of oh, a Schumacher to get him of there for next season through strategy and stupid strategy calls and to bring K-Mag in and they Mick out. And they, I think this this is what the question is getting at and I'll let you answer it because I'm conflict of interest
1: there. Chewy <laughs> <laughs> Shoe- <laughs> <Shoe-y> fan. Um, <laughs> I think from what I'm seeing there's no there, there seems to be some sort of a, of a a button of heads between the Schumacher camp and the Haas camp. Um, I, I don't know why that is, particularly. How could I? But um, are they going out of their way to try and get rid of them? I don't think. I, I don't know. It's a bit conspiracy theory, theory for me. Um, it's not really in their interest. They want to score points. They don't need to make them look bad to not hire them again. They can, you know. Jesus, we had williams fire world champions that won the championship with them and they just said no we don't want you for next year so i i don't think it's that like years ago obviously but i i don't think it's i don't think they need any you know if they don't want them they just say we don't want you thanks very much i don't think they're under any obligation to do that or make them look bad to get out of it you know um i i i think that no i i don't think there's that there, i would be i would say that maybe they're they're not best of buds and they're kind of working you know not in complete harmony. But i i i can't imagine them going to the point of sabotaging their own car to make Schumacher look bad to make it and look e better for them to get rid of him i think that would be a bit too i find that in the conspiracy theory file i think
0: right done moving on uh lewis hamilton boy god what a performance in fairness like he did everything he could to, to try and hang on for victory and uh you know i mean he's I'm not going to say I was the biggest fan of Lewis Hamilton at the start of the year. There was there was never any doubt about his ability. Obviously, you don't win all those world titles without you know having something about you. But I I just have started to like him more and more as as the year has gone on. I don't know what is it because he's not winning or what the story is. But when you see what he's done at certain stages, just showing Sean Sean glimpses the class really. Um, I, I thought we saw it very evidently and again yesterday and he wasn't too far away from from holding out like max had to do everything his power didn't he really and then had a bit more punch behind him also but that was that was really enjoyable to to look at and i think if you were to maybe go back a few months did we think we were going to see that coming down the home stretch of a grand prix again maybe this year maybe next year we might have thought so but it was really good to look at wasn't it
2: yeah no in fairness um considering the car he's being handed to drive um I thought, yeah, those, he, he pulled it out of the bag this weekend in fairness to him. um, We touched on this earlier in the season. Probably their qualifying position more so reflects on other people's um penalties and things. But, um, no, I, listen, he got himself in that position and he got himself in the lead. But um, uh, I think he was more hampered by the lack of a car in under him. I think... Lewis still has no problem winning races if he has the machinery in under him. Fully convinced of that after, well, I, I never wasn't convinced of that. I, I honestly think if, if Mercedes can give him a car next year capable of winning, he will win. But, yeah, listen, it was great to see Lewis back up there and back in the fight with Max. And, and you know, um, no, it was good to see, good to see, delighted to see him up there.
0: Mm. Uh, it touches us into a topic, I suppose, of the elder statesmen just still showing absolute class um and we saw we mentioned Alonso already Vettel for the second race in a row I mean you know the the abiding memory is is him and the overtake I suppose of Madison and that but we're kind of maybe forgetting a little bit that only for a shitty pit stop geez he's not far away from a podium like um considering how bad that car has been at times this year Barry um you know that was that was a real standout I thought anyway personally
1: yeah, it was. I mean, the 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 Aston Martins jumped from you know the second or third last row onto the second or third row from the front um, at 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 the weekend, which was a big jump and one that I was quite surprised with. And of course, Stroll, you know, doing the better of the two in qualifying. But sure, yeah, in the race, um, Vettel was he, he he was pretty pretty class. To be fair, you know, and is um, not just not just in the Magnuson one, which you said, which is the kind of standout one, but. You know he had a couple of good runs. He'd run him said earlier in the race. He'd run at Albon as well. Um, I think one of the Alpha Terries, He was, you know, pulling off some really clever, smart moves. Um, and lately, you know, or, to, or in the in the in the twilight of his kind of Ferrari years, he was always there was a question mark over how he got on in wheel to wheel racing. And certainly at the weekend, it showed that you know he was you know, top of the pile there. And that that, that maneuver for the over the last section uh, or the last sector for the 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 position on Magnuson was was absolute top class from both of them to be fair. Magnuson is a very hard racer, probably one of the hardest racers on the grid, as his front wing end plates will testify to. But he's um you know he he's still respectful and, and whatnot. But it, I and I know he came out of it saying he was he absolutely loved the the dice with, with Vettel and said it was some of the best racing he's ever encountered and some of the best driving he's ever been. He said he was disappointed to be on the wrong side of it ultimately, but he respected it massively. Um so yeah, I think I don't know, maybe maybe Vettel's a little bit less um pressure now that the decision to, to quit is off, but he still looked like a guy who absolutely loved and especially like coming from Japan where in qualifying he was on a high after Suzuka um and we seem to have seen that seen that again from him. Um just, just the joy of driving, I think, is is still there. So you one would have to presume it's all the other ancillary, you know, pro not problems, but you know, what, what comes with the driving, the travel, the away from home, with his young family like he does, you know, I we know he's kind of a bit of a uh an uh, an eco. What's the phrase? I don't know. I'll get it wrong. You know, he's he, he's a bit of an eco right. kind of. Yeah, I don't think that's the one I was specifically <laughs> trying not to say. <laughs> that's the one I was desperately trying not to say. But anyway, you said originally, not me. So we're all right. seen <laughs> week years ago, no? <laughs> eco, yeah, after the Kelly Downs. He's an activist. Yeah. Activist. That's the one he's an eco activist. Um, so and and that's having a bit of a, an impact on his decisions. But from driving point of view, he seems to still absolutely love it. So here we go, eco warrior. We can see it now.
0: Yeah, and that call is going to your name as well, even though it's said Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sam. Oh, <laughs> right. Question. Shane's been back.
2: I just said that. what you were thinking.
1: Yeah, I was, I was thinking not to say <laughs> it, though.
0: It was on my brain as well. I, was like, we can't. We can't. I
1: could read it on both your faces. I'm <laughs> attaching <And laughs> myself
0: from this one. podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 oh, lads. Uh, okay, Shane's been um, back in touch. She says if you could keep one of the current drivers uh, who will not be in the sport next year, who would it be and why? Richie.
2: If sorry, if I could keep one of if the you, current drivers.
0: One of the current drivers who will not be in the sport next year. So who doesn't have a drive for whatever reason, who would it be and why?
2: That's Mick Schumacher, presumably Vettel uh Ricardo. Right, who else is there? Is there anyone else? All right, let's see.
1: So so no, there's not anyone else.
2: I listen, <laughs> just no, All right, I who else you want to find keep going. <laughs>
1: We've plenty of time bandwidth. <laughs> Latifi is crap, and Vettel is a eco warrior. Says Barry Rabbit on the Irish F1 show. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: yeah, the, and, the, the and don't be of the Irish F1 show. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> all right, okay. So, um, in fairness, you could go through all the drivers that don't have a seat, but the standout ones uh, and the choice was always going to be the first three, probably that. Richie Nand out there so Richie who is it who do you keep and why and,
2: and not because of his name I've make keeping Mick Schumacher for his use and you know he has so much more to give to the sport like Vettel you know he, he's given everything he's you know he's a four time world champion it's time for him to move off to more tree hugging aspirations and stuff like that <laughs> um, uh, Ricardo we never going to
0: get Vettel on the podcast anyway. ever again
2: <laughs> we probably because, will I know. Oh no, you know, no, back
0: doing. on the US Grand Prix Review from twenty twenty two.
2: It's a big listen, it's a big toss up between Ricardo and Schumacher, but just for Schumacher's you, I pick him. Right, okay. Um Barry.
1: It's actually a, it sounds like a very simple question to start with, and you I initially was drawn to Vettel, but I think it'll be Ricardo. I think he I think I think we've seen I think Vettel is no matter how you I think he's coming to the end of his career no matter what way you dice it you know a couple of years maybe um, I don't have the same faith in Mick that, 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 our, that our friend Richard has um, and I think Ricardo can't have forgotten how to drive and win races. There's something funny going on he didn't forget so I think it'll be Ricardo and that kind of surprises me that I say that, but I do think it will be Ricardo out of it.
0: Okay, I'd like to keep Vettel just for the. I just love Vettel, <laughs> not to know what you're ever accusing him of or whatever. But I think I think he's actually just real. I just love the guy, and I don't know. He's one of those examples of people that is. Was he as likable when when he was winning? Like he never seems as likable as he is now. Was probably because he's relaxed uh, and maybe he's come at the end of the. He's
1: hugely like. likable character, but you know it's about stopwatch really at the end of the day. So yeah. I I, th- I think I think Ricardo still has something. The it just needs to be uncovered that something's happened there. Whereas I think Vettel one way or the other is, is coming out the other side, you know?
0: This is a very difficult question to ask now, right? Um for a number of different reasons. And number one being maybe he's never been well, actually not Guzzo saying he's never actually drove a car as good as his uncle or his dad. But is Mick Schumacher or will Mick Schumacher even be as good as Ralph? That's a very hard question to ask, but we're here to ask them. And Barry I want to come to you first on it.
1: Well Ralph was very very fast on Mm. his day but he needed a very particular type of car um and from what i understand he probably just it was it you know i don't think he was lacking in definitely wasn't lacking in speed it was more kind of the the overall package let's say and maybe a bit of work ethic compared to, to to michael but like to be fair most people would 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 suffer though you know against michael schumacher and those measurements um I can't see Mick Schumacher winning um, an F1 race, let alone. I think Ralph had about eight to his to his name, so no, I don't think so.
0: Richie, I know above everyone that's involved in this podcast, you will not like answering this one, but I have to put it out there.
2: And um, for one, I I don't think we should be comparing him to his dad, Michael. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, look, like nobody he's, nobody he's,
0: really has. Not many have the capability
2: to compare to his dad. No, like, his, his dad was a freak in nature, like, he's just, yeah. you know, like,
0: like Hamilton. That was never really intense to in compare to him, really. I shouldn't have really even said but, that. I can't remember um, what I included in the initial part, but Ralph was... As
2: regard, as regard matching Ralph, I, I honestly do think, yeah, he could give him the right car and give him another season or two under his belt. Um, you know, listen, Barry, it, it's probably, listen, Lando, when he landed and George Russell done special things in a bad Williams and probably is a point there that does he have it or does he not have it? Um, I know he's notoriously an awful slow burner to start with, with any championship he's ever done, but sort of gets there in the end. Unfortunately, F1 is not a sport that will wait around for you. Like mm. and more, partic- to find out.
1: More, more particularly, Richie, Haas is a team that that's a really bad trait with because Haas started the season and have started previous seasons on on a relatively speaking high and then they get out as the season goes on mm. and and we've seen that like I think it was a fourth or something Magnuson was on his fourth or fifth or uh, in the top few anyway' qualifying yeah, for the first race in
0: the early stages of this Yeah,
1: and then it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it you know it's not that the car gets slower it's that everyone else gets quicker so I think there's certainly an, an element there of a mismatch between a, a fast starting, Car and a slow burn driver, and they're just passing each other, going the wrong direction, yeah, relative to and each the one, other the one, during the year. The one so there's a bit say, there for sure.
2: The one thing I will say is, like to me, K-Mag is a very established F1 driver, very good, hard racer, and I think if you look at both their stats, I think they're pretty much even in like who's beating who over over a given weekend. So, I mean k said it after the race on Sunday, like he thinks Mick is driving the best he's ever seen him drive at the moment. Um, so, I don't hey, know. Richie, listen, sorry like to go across you now.
0: A- uh, come here, I'm sorry to cut across you, but Shane Robertson and he says, does Richie have a picture of Mick on his bedroom wall?
2: <laughs> no, it's in my wallet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> come on, Shane, up. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Mike's back in touch. He says, No one really looked at Haas until uh, Mick Schumacher drove for them. He's a big pull financially. Mm, very good point, as well. Yeah. And yeah. You know, and a German you know, sponsor, German driver.
1: It's definitely going to have an impact for sure, you know, yeah. in the way the world um, is at the moment.
0: Mike, had another question. Is Vettel holding back in favor of Stroll? When Stroll was out, he was outstanding. What do you think? I'll keep this brief as well.
1: Is he hold is he holding
0: back to... You think Vettel was holding back in
1: favour of Stroll? No, I don't think so. I don't think it'd be in his, his DNA to I think when you actually play that out in your head, you know, from a driver's point of view, what does that mean? You know, that, that means breaking ten foot earlier, you know, short shifting in a gear, you know, a, 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 a proper racing driver, let alone an F one driver
0: literally can't do that like
1: you know um it's so i i don't think so
0: um the cost cap latest that was on our agenda as well and i did some reading up there was there some sort of agreement that that aston martin had had made with uh i don't know this this whole thing again we're talking about shite that isn't isn't involving the racing so why is very briefly Barry the latest on this cost cap thing it's
1: quite i mean i i I can't give you a chapter in Versa, and verse on I don't think anyone can, but I t- the feeling I'm getting, and it's not more than that, is that um, something was... Th- there was obviously... If you if you, if you you t- go along the, the, the timeline of it, it became apparent that Red Bull were on the wrong side of it somewhere along the line, somehow, obviously a couple of weeks ago. And the other teams, namely Mercedes and Toto, but other teams, came out you know, guns drawn, shooting from the hip and the, and and being pretty vociferous in their, you know, condemnation of what what Red, you know, Red Bull had cheated. And as time has gone on, I've just got the feeling that it's, you know, it went from like, oh, they were 7 million over budget and now they were, you know, or maybe it's 1.8 and now there's talk of it being a couple hundred grand and there being extenuating circumstances down to really such exciting things as, you know, tax rebates that should be included but weren't or vice versa and um, high paid members of staff who were on sick leave and their their wages should have been counted but weren't because they weren't being paid when they were on sick leave really boring financial type you know questions let's say and also gotta bear in mind that these accounts weren't forensically um, investigated by the FIA, all the teams voluntarily handed over their accounts. Now, none of the teams, I would imagine, would hand over and volunteer an incriminating set of documents. Even if they were doing something wrong, they'd make sure to hand over something that didn't say that. So if you play it out logically, what they're saying is that Red Bull... When asked to volunteer, and that's an important word, volunteer your information, they handed them over a set of documents that incriminated themselves. I can't see anybody doing that. Um, What I think is much more plausible is likes of this or they went, that doesn't count. And then it turns out that the FIA thinks that it does. And it's a difference of opinion, and that opinion breaches the the cap. And as it's gone on, the wind seems to be being taken out of the sails of it a little bit. And the other teams are kind of backing away and they're not throwing the labels and the accusations just as hard as they were before. And, you know, I think if it does turn out that it was, you know, these kind of misunderstandings of what we do count and what we don't count, um, and that's all it really comes down to, I I think some of the teams might have to have a good hard look about themselves at what they were saying over the last number of weeks um, because there may not have been any real... Um, shenanigans going on at all and I just get the feeling that's where it's going Um and it definitely seems to be a lot of the you know they're pulling back a little bit and we've seen you know even the Mercedes press releases being very singing high praise of Red Bull and congratulating them on a championship well earned and all that sort of stuff and it just kind of seems to be going the other way quite a bit from the cheater, cheater, cheater stuff that was going on a couple of weeks ago
0: hmm. Taking a turn Um I suppose you know, it's you you'd nearly say I don't know how deep or sentimental you guys are, but you know, things kinda happen in weird circumstances, maybe for a reason that with Red Bull winning the constructors, their co-founder passing away, you know, just hours you could say beforehand. Uh it is kinda mad the way the world works, but um it ended up being you know, quite an emotional weekend. You could see it in Horror, you can see it in a lot of people. Involved in Red Bull, and it's a long time since they won a constructors. What, is it eight years, nine years? I think. 2013. You
2: know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a long, long time. You know, it is, it is kind of strange how these things pan out sometimes, I think. Um, the other thing I just wanted to move on to, because I'm just conscious of time, um, on, a, on a lighter note, is Connor Moore, Connor Sketches. What a guy. <laughs> I, I, I saw this guy oh, yeah. uh, probably, probably a month ago, or maybe a little bit more up in, up in Vicker Street. He's absolutely phenomenal. And he's just an ordinary Joe Soap as well at the back of it. He had a bit of luck, you know what I mean? And, and he didn't have a bit of luck, sorry. He didn't have a bit of luck. He made his own luck, right? But he saw an opportunity, he seized it, went and grabbed it. But he, like, he just seems so down to earth. And um, I'm sure everyone has seen his, his sketches, you know, on, on Twitter and that. He's one of our own. You know, he's come from virtually nothing. He's got his own slot with the Golf Channel. He's got a pub in, in New York. And um, he's doing really good F1 impersonations and the one with science in particular is just... Ah, classy. that was deadly.
2: That was yeah. brilliant.
1: At, at the Skypad with...
2: Yeah. Was that the ah. one where
1: he interrupted the two of them? Yeah, it was very good. He's very, very, very good. And he seems so, to be like really one... well liked amongst the the drivers too. They're, yeah. all, they're all jumping to meet him and... And even the, well, one yes, done,
2: the one he done with Toto and George sitting there yeah. with Toto with the helmet on him, like like to fucking to get himself <laughs> in there and do a yeah. sketch like that. Like fair play to him. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant when you listen to him.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. the last
2: one. Uh the
0: Science Science one, George Russell, even Max's one, I think, and, and Lewis. Yeah. He's good. He's very good, at those four, I think. In particular. actually Ricardo's will have there. Those those five. And it's so hard to do it. Um Without giving you a big, big, I suppose, giveaway on, on his story just before he finish up, he did, he did say one thing which, which really struck me. About nine years ago, he was over in San Francisco playing football. I hope I'm getting this story right, but this is generally the gist of it anyway. And he busted his head, and he had to go to the hospital. I don't think he had insurance or, or anything. Um, I Just say it was on a Friday. Um, right, look, we currently do not for you, like, you know what I mean? And he, he's like, Jesus, like, you know, and whatever. And the doctor goes, well, what happened to you anyway? He's like, oh, I played football and I got, I got a belt, and he, and he thought he meant soccer, and obviously Mourinho was, I think involved maybe with Chelsea at the time, and he started doing a Mourinho impersonation, the doctor could not believe it, he's like, Whoa. He's, he calls in the other doctors, hey, you gotta see this guy, you gotta see this guy, and he keeps doing the Mourinho <laughs> Hey, he goes then, hey tell you what, you come back on Monday, we'll fix your right up, <laughs> just like that, Yeah. and there was another one, there was another one he was saying about, trying to get through the pre-clearance, in, in Dublin airport, and um, what do you call it? I think he was going for his golf channel thing in, in Florida at the time. And you know the way it is fairly heavy going now when you're going through the pre clearance lads. It's it's not it's not simple. You don't really mess with the lads there because it's a serious no process. And I um, you think he wants said, "Where are you going?" Uh, actually, where we going In Orlando, I think. Yeah. How long are you going for? Seven days. And, and where are you going? <laughs> oh, Disneyland. Oh, you going Disneyland? It's really serious. Yeah. You step over here. So I ended up going back in. Uh, into the office or whatever and another officer came over and hey, you think you're funny, do you? And I'd say he was tempted to say, well... <laughs> yeah, <that has laughs> well <been known. laughs> but he didn't. He was like, no, no. Was, oh, really? He goes, well, it says right here you're funny because he looked it up on Google and it's all <laughs> the information. <laughs> and he goes, hey, do you any, do you any American ones? And he was like, no, no, no. Oh, really? It says right here you do Donald Trump. <laughs> and basically after like, like about 20 minutes of this, he was like, I... Honestly, just want to go home. I, 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 I just can't do this. Know this is, you know, it's not worth it. And he not let you know, in the end. With, with just a few minutes to But look, hopefully at <laughs> <in> some stage <laughs> you might be able to get this guy on and have a chat with him. He is phenomenal. And um, imagine,
2: imagine the crack he has on, like a McDonald's drive-through or or a phone call <laughs> survey or, like I'd say, <laughs> he, <laughs> I'd say baby. he never
1: gets to talk as himself. He'd probably, he'd probably love to actually be interviewed as. Connor, it yeah. really never happens, you know, you're, trying, you're like, oh, do, 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 do Carlos, do, do Ricardo, do, you know, insert other sports here, I don't know, the you love He's very
0: funny, it's very he's right? funny. He's Tommy Thierry in class, and i away a lot of his content, but I have to say this one last thing, right, so he went to Joe Raleigh's wedding, he, he got married to Loretta with a Tommy Hector and Loretta podcast, and he just, he just does Tommy Thierry phenomenal, and he met him at the wedding, he? and he's, here in he's looking at whatever, and he's like, "You fucker, you've me not to He goes, he, goes, <laughs> how, he goes, how? How do you do it?" And uh, he's like, uh, "To be honest, like I, I lock myself away and I just go through videos for hours and hours, and and until I get it right." And he said there was a pause, a and he was like, "Just cause I tell you, you're some fucking pervert." <laughs> <He's disgusting>. <laughs> 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 And it was just brilliant, but anyway,
2: that's
0: <laughs> giving them more nice. and more, more and more ammo. I think we, we should leave it at that. Um, unless we've anything else to add, we've another one of these next week, of course. Mexico is coming up. Let's um, go. we all good, yeah? Happy enough, yeah? Done and dusted. Nice one. We will leave it at that. We'll give a shout out to PFT Travel, I'll give a shout out to Rapco. And we want to say thanks to everyone for uh tuning in this evening. We've had a uh, good numbers and lots of people getting in touch and stuff. Uh, you can follow us as you can see on the screen there uh we're at irish f1 show on twitter facebook and on instagram if you watch on youtube hit the subscribe button maybe a like as well uh spotify and apple again there's a follow and a like button there you can read the podcast on those two platforms as well and they really do help in getting us up the leaderboard so we'll probably call it for our next one tonight again Brian rabbit richie carney much appreciated folks really enjoyed that this evening and uh, to everyone else that's tuned in take care we'll chat to you again